0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we yield to you this morning. We want to be right in the center of your very being as we talk and think and um, are challenged this morning. I ask, Lord, for each of us to experience a deep sense of your presence here with us. And that, Lord, you transform us by the hearing of your word. And may it not just go in one ear, not the other. May it go deep into our very being. And may we leave here challenged and ready to um, cultivate and develop a life that is more attentive to you and that is more intimate with you thank you jesus that your dream is being fulfilled slowly but surely of reuniting heaven and earth and in that lord bringing us into union with you so come have your way this morning we ask this in the name of jesus and everybody said "Amen." amen amen Uh, Blaise Pascal, a famous uh, mathematician and philosopher from the 17th century, says this, I've discovered that all the unhappiness of men arises from one single fact, in that they cannot stay quietly in their own chamber. We don't know how to do nothing. We don't know how to be alone by ourselves. Recently, uh, about 10 years ago, there was a study done at the University of Virginia. Shout out to my homeland. And... um, they did this test where they took various students and people and they asked them to sit alone in an unadorned, boring room for only six to 15 minutes. No phone, no books, no writing utensils. They just had to sit there and stare at the wall and, the, and be entertained by their own thoughts. And no surprise, they found this torturous. They hated it. And so what they did is they added another um, variable to their, to their problem. They said, uh, actually, we're going to give you the ability to administer to yourself an electric shock. And so mid, this, they did this midway through the study. And shockingly, 12 of 18 men gave themselves the shock during the thinking period, along with 6 of 24 females. People would rather be shocked than sit alone with their own thoughts. The investigators write this What is striking is that simply being alone with their own thoughts for 15 minutes was apparently so aversive that it drove many participants to self administer an electric shock that they had earlier said they would pay to avoid. This study, what it does is it illustrates the difficulty we have as individuals to sit still and do nothing. We take our phones to the bathroom we have the tv on as we fall asleep we podcast when we're driving we can't sit still we can't be with our own thoughts more often than not our days off are filled with busyness our to-do lists or honey do lists are full to overflowing we fill up any silence with chatter whether our own or someone else's we can't stand doing nothing we can't stand being with our own thoughts Let's think about this in terms of relationship, though. So when you first get to know someone, imagine I just met you. I haven't met you guys yet. Imagine where I I said, hey, do you guys want to go on a six-hour car ride with me? Probably be like, no, I don't want to do that. And if you did say yes for some strange reason, we would probably try to fill up as much of that silence with talking, right? We wouldn't be asking all kinds of questions. We'd be making stuff up. I mean, like just filling up the silence because we can't just sit there because we don't know each other well enough yet. And then think about, you know, some of your closer friends. You could do that same road trip and maybe you'd talk for most of it, but then there'd be times of silence. And then if you really get to know someone, imagine your spouse or your best friend or um, a brother or sister, you could probably do that six-hour trip and not talk at all if you really wanted to. So the more we get to know someone, the more comfortable we are with silence, the more comfortable we are being ourselves, being seen as we are, showing up in sweatpants with our teeth unbrushed. <laughs> Josh Ross style. Come on, he's not even here. That's fine. He knows it's true. But that says something of Josh. He's comfortable in his own skin. So we see this playing out in our relationships, right, guys? So obviously, this has this. It can mirror or map onto our relationship with God. And so this is what we're going to get into the the heart of what we're talking about today: silence and solitude. And so silence and solitude or silent, silent prayer is this. Prayer, or more specifically, silent prayer, is the eating healthy of the spiritual life. And what I mean by that is this. We know we should do it, but we rarely do. Or if we do, it's in fits and spurts. We read about it in books or we see people's posts on Instagram where they're flexing their prayer skills or their healthy living skills. We get that. And for any of us who have made an effort to eat healthy, we realize that it's, it's costly it's time-consuming. I mean, it takes longer to, to prep a meal where you're actually making it from scratch rather than microwaving it. Sometimes we have to go out of our way to find specific foods that we can have, especially for those of us who struggle, struggle um, with food intolerances and the like. But we see there is something to that that is true of our prayer life. We're developing a life of silent prayer specifically. We know we should do it, but we more often than not don't. We're looking for a microwavable spirituality. So my question for us today is this. What would it look like to learn to order our lives around the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude with God? And as we do that, cultivate a life of silent prayer and intimacy with God where transformation is possible. Here is my uh, working definition of silence and solitude. There's probably way better ones out there, but I did my best here to kind of encapsulate what I felt like I wanted to think about today. So silence and solitude is this. The regular practices of intentionally removing oneself from other people, things, noise, both internal and external, for the purpose of slowing down to be fully present with God. A space where God can love us and we can be made whole. So silence and solitude, I'll read that one more time. The regular practice of intentionally removing oneself from other people, things, Noise, both internal and external, for the purpose of slowing down to be fully present with God. A space where God can love us and we can be made whole. This idea is based in our discipleship principle of intimacy, guys, which is knowing and being known by the Father and his family, and also, uh, in shorter hand, learning how to be with Jesus. So this is where silence and solitude would, would find its place in that paradigm. Let's start with the example of Jesus, though. That's where we always want to kind of model our life after. He, of course, is the one we're apprenticing ourselves to. We're learning to be disciples of Jesus and not anyone else. So how did Jesus cultivate and and, and, um, include silence and solitude into his life here on earth? So uh, in silence and solitude is how Jesus started his ministry. Mark 1 says this, At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Jesus used silence and solitude to, to sustain his ministry. Mark 1, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is in the middle of a mini revival happening in Capernaum. There's all kinds of stuff happening, yet he still goes out to a solitary place to pray and be with the Father. Uh, This is how Jesus maintained intimacy with the Father. Luke 5.16, Joni read this this morning. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often goes into solitude and silence to be with God. In silence and solitude, Jesus learned to make decisions. Luke 6 says this, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray And spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose the 12 of them. He decided out of that place. Uh, In silence and solitude, Jesus processed his grief. When Jesus heard what had happened, that John the Baptist was beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. In silence and solitude, Jesus learned to care for his soul. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And finally, in silence and solitude, Jesus prepared for his death. They went to a place, place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. So silence and solitude influenced Jesus' ministry, the sustainability of that ministry, intimacy with the Father, his decision-making, his processing of emotions like grief, the care of his soul, and preparation for his very death. Jesus' continual practice of silence and solitude kept him connected to the Father, kept him in the place of union. It was the very source that sustained his incredible busy ministry here on this earth. Through regularly practicing silence and solitude, he maintained an unhurried heart in the midst of revival, an ongoing spiritual battle, and an ongoing plot to assassinate him. So, if Jesus prioritized both sil- soli- eh, silence and solitude, why don't we? Would any of you like to make a suggestion? Too busy. Great, great answer. Too busy. Have you have four kids? Four kids, yeah, a lot of kids. Is that even possible with kids? That's the real question. Anything else, guys? Oh, we don't make it a priority, that's right. Isaiah, you gave them all the answers, bro. I don't accept that answer. There's all kinds of reasons, right? Right, right, guys? We we could we could fill in the blank with all kinds of things. I just this week I, I wanted to touch on a few, just five things I think that are worth considering as we kind of try to wrap our heads around what looks what it would look like to develop a life practicing silence and solitude. Uh, the first one, John shouted out, kind of the obvious one. <clears throat> no offense, John, but just we're too busy. <laughs> we're too busy. So we live in a culture, guys, that we all understand and experience is 24-7, 365. And beyond that, we are a culture that values and honors busyness, right? The more full your agenda is, the more full your calendar is, the more important you seem to the people around you. We have a lot going on on top of that with sports and hanging out and all kinds of stuff. But essentially we can make the case that we have no margin to spend in silence and solitude. But bad news, that's just not true. Um, Martin Luther says this, I have so much to do, I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I have so much to do, I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And not only Martin Luther, we looked at the life of Jesus. He has a lot more going on, a lot more important things than we do. And he still made time and space. Anyways, too busy. First thing we often say. The second thing we might say is that it's just too difficult. How, do I, how am I supposed to sit there and do nothing? Uh, many who teach spiritual formation would say that silence and solitude are the most difficult of the spiritual disciplines. Okay, let's just be straight up about that. And I would suggest that it's often because we're afraid to face what's really going on inside of us. Henry Nowen, this is a long quote, guys, but bear with me. He, I feel like he articulates this very idea really well. In solitude, I get rid of my scaffolding, and by that he means this, no friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make, no meetings to attend, no music to entertain, no books to distract, just me, naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, deprived, broken, nothing. It is this nothingness that I have to face in my solitude. A nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run to my friends, my work, and my distractions so that I can forget my nothingness and make myself believe that I am worth something. But that is not all. As soon as I decide to stay in my solitude, confusing ideas, disturbing images, wild fantasies, and weird associations jump about in my mind like monkeys in a banana tree. (laughs) Anger and greed begin to show their ugly faces. I give long, hostile speeches to my enemies and dream lustful dreams in which I am wealthy, influential, and very attractive, or poor, ugly, and in need of immediate consolation. Thus, I try again to run from my dark, the dark abyss of my nothingness and restore my false self in all of its vain glory. It's difficult to sit in silence and solitude for these very reasons, but that can't be enough to stop us. Number three, potential reason why we don't practice silence and solitude is this. We don't understand the purpose. We may view it as a task only to to be undertaken by the spiritually elite like monks and nuns or people that don't have children. Not for us here in 2021. That that surely can't be the case. Or maybe we misinterpret it as, as modern day mindfulness and we're a bit afraid of it. We don't want to be new agey. But the difference here between mindfulness and silent prayer is that we're communing with a person who is Jesus. Well done. And the object of mindfulness is actually just better psychological and physical health, both of which are important. But the object of silent prayer is communion with God himself. So maybe we don't understand what it is. And this is a big one, I think, especially for people who are wired like me. Number four is this. We see our faith as performative what I mean by that is it can be difficult to think about not doing something for God. Like, what, what am I supposed to do? I have to, I have to prove to you I'm worth hanging out with, or right? that I have something good to, to say or contribute. And even within our faith tradition of Protestantism, we're, we're often activists. We're often doing something for God. And so it's very difficult for us to just sit and be just as we are. What do you mean I'm just supposed to just sit there is often the question that runs around in my head as I'm doing this. Or am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Is this right, God? Is this what you want me to do? Is this, is this how it's supposed to be? We see our faith as performative rather than relational. Imagine doing that with your friends. Like, am I, am I hanging out with you okay? Is this okay I'm talking to you? Am I talking too much? Is this too much? Should I sit further away from you? Like, it just, it's awkward. We see our faith as performative. Another reason is this. We, we underestimate or underappreciate the fact that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. So if this is the very soil for transformation, you better believe that the enemy, the evil one, is going to do everything he can to keep us busy and in the noise and chatter and clatter of our everyday lives. He's doing everything he can to prevent us from having the time to abide in Jesus. So those are five potential reasons, guys. There's all kinds more. But here is the good news. The good news is this, in silence and solitude, we enter into the very relationship, which is the core of all the cosmos, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit relationship. And what we're doing is we're engaging into an eternally ongoing conversational dance that's happening between that Father, Son, and Spirit. We're invited into this loving relationship that has existed from before the foundation of the world and will exist on into eternity. We're invited to come and be with God. And here's the good news of the gospel. Through what Jesus has done for us, now that we have been, that we've died with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, and we've been risen with Christ, we're able to come into that relationship and sit still just as we are. Just as we are. Not as we should be, but as we are. And what we do here is we cling to Jesus. We we, we cling to his righteousness. We remember that his righteousness has been exchanged for my sinfulness that I'm hidden with him, that I'm resting on his finished work, not on my own unfinished projects around my house, in my heart, those things. We forget often that God is always for us, that he is waiting there with open arms. Too often we do this. Minister Marjorie Thompson says it this way, our twisted inner logic, often unconscious, can convince us that we are too bad even for God to forgive We hold God's mercy hostage to a determination to punish ourselves, and this is a truly human sickness of spirit. We don't allow God to love us. We keep him at arm's distance. We forget the good news of the gospel. He invites us to come sit still just as we are. As we do this, there's a transformation that takes place in our identity. Because what we see is that in silence and solitude, this is the place where the false self goes to die. The false self dies in silence and solitude, and your true self in Christ begins to be formed in you. We emerge from silence and solitude better for the relationships that God's called us into as human beings. We are better for our community because we emerge more compassionate, sensitive, attentive, and aware of others. We learn that from God, who is aware, he's, self, he's, he's, he's always aware of the other rather than just himself. And this launches us back into our mission of renewal and partnering with God in in the renewal of all things. Because being with God fills us so that we have fuel to do for God. This is the good news. How's everyone doing? Okay. So how do we do silent prayer? How do we do silence and solitude? And I I guarantee you in this room right now, there are a lot of things that came out already that are going on in our head. Potentially, I'm a mother of four at home, and I homeschool. How am I supposed to do this? Or I run my own company. Or I'm really, I really am busy, Tom, I promise you. Or I'm afraid. Or I'm an extrovert. We could have all kinds of reasons why, or trying to figure out through your own paradigm. But I would just remind you and I want to bring you back to the very question we ended with last week. What do you want What do you want? Here's the truth, guys. If we really want to be transformed and made whole, this practice is the way to start. Uh, in, in the beginning, we started reading Psalm 62, and there are two, two phrases that, that I wanted to just focus in on. And the first one is this, we're to wait in silence. And the second one is to pour out our heart for God. That's what we're going to begin to do as we learn how to live a life of silent prayer and of course the most famous scripture to probably kind of summarize this whole idea is psalm forty six ten: be still and know that i am god be still and know that i am god my kids uh my wife had this brilliant idea for our younger kids who have a hard time kind of self-regulating sometimes and she put a jar she filled up a jar with water and food coloring and then put a bunch of um glitter and stuff in it and then when she, she showed them like when you're when you're feeling anxious this is what it's like inside you all these things are swirling and burling and burling and it takes a while for those things to kind of settle to the bottom and that's what i think we're, we're going to try to realize as we practice this whole thing of silent prayers that there's, there's a lot of things going on inside of us and throughout the process of spending more and more time with god as we really are that's that will begin to settle into the bottom of the jar We'll begin to be able to make sense of those swirling thoughts and emotions and feelings and fears and anxieties and hopes and dreams. That's what God is asking us into. Be still and know that I am God. So I wanna, what I'm going to do, guys, in closing is I'm going to talk through just a few basic points, um, just overview things about silent prayer. And then talk through just a basic way of doing it. There's all kinds of different ways. I've been doing lots of reading about this. This is just how I've been trying to practice this over the last little while. And I've actually printed this off for you. So take it home. And um, I have a challenge for us with some questions at the end for your week ahead too. But just just a, a few brief thoughts on silent prayer. And then we'll walk through some practicals. And then we'll close together in prayer. So we, we started off talking about the, the dream of Jesus is What? Union. Union. Thank you. Union with you. The the whole idea, all this, is about relationship, not performance. And so, as we're thinking about silent prayer, I want you guys to keep this in your in the the forefront of your imagination and your mind. This is not a technique. This is about relationship. Okay. The second thing is this: have grace for yourself. This isn't a pass/fail situation. For people who are wired like me, this is good to know. Uh, The point is just to show up. It's not like you did it right or you did it wrong. The point is to be with Jesus okay here's here's a disclaimer: you will most likely be bored, okay? and uh, don't shock yourself like like the, the study at UVA, but learn how to be bored with God. okay that's the point right? is learning to live life with God. so learn how to be bored with God and this is I, I guarantee this, you will definitely be distracted. Millions of things will pop into your head. I, I love the, the the way that uh Henry Nouwen talked about monkeys in the banana tree. But you're going to think about who you should have emailed, who you're mad about, who you're mad with, what you're supposed to be cooking for dinner, um, what didn't happen, what needed to happen. The questions maybe are like, what, am I doing this right? All those types of things. You're going to be distracted. But each distraction is essentially an opportunity to return yourself back to Jesus. Okay? There's just a few things. So how are we going to do this? What's a, what's a practical overview of practicing silent prayer? Uh, the first thing is we have to make time to do this. Right. Dallas Willard famously says, time is made, not found. You're not all of a sudden going to find 20 spare minutes in your day. You need to make space and time to do this practice. Okay, uh, So there's a, you can practice this from, for a variance of time. I mean, you could do it all day if you wanted to. But I think a good place to start, even uh, Pete Scazzaro in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality talks about just doing two minutes to begin with. And then you you kind of slowly work yourself up. And so anywhere between 2 to 20 minutes this is what this could look like. Uh, The first thing you're wanting to do is, any guesses? Find a quiet place. Find a quiet place away from others, away from any noise or distractions. And this is the biggest thing, I think, for us in our day, is to put away your dang phone. Put away your dang phone. Uh, Or any other distractions that might be there. Um, I, I always try to find a comfortable chair or couch. Um, my one in my office. I have a specific spot I sit in, and I get comfortable. And this is something I've been I've been learning about and reading about. And stick with me. This may sound weird, but I think it's actually really helpful. Before you get into this time of silent prayer, what you're going to do is you're going to pick an anchor word or prayer. Okay, and this could be as simple as Father, Jesus, Lord, Abba. Peace, something that you're praying for, or maybe you feel especially anxious and you're trusting God that he's going to bring peace into your situation or into your heart. Maybe it's a scripture that stood out from you during your reading. But you're going to pick something that you're going to use as an anchor that as you're distracted, you're going to return yourself to that. So as the thoughts pop in about, okay, I forgot to send that email. Okay, Jesus. As, you, as you're remembering about, oh man, that person annoyed me. They took my parking spot. Oh, Father, thank you. So you're going to return back with that one specific thought or prayer because otherwise you're going to your brain is going to go crazy and you're not going to actually be still in your mind or in your heart so you pick an anchor word or a prayer uh, then you begin to pay attention to your breathing just breathing in and out you close your eyes and then you breathe deeply and slowly i like to open up my hands on my knees as a sign of opening myself up to god and surrendering releasing any of my cares or worries or anxieties and again guys we're, we're trying to 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 intentionally spend time being aware of God and his presence. And so there's things you could do, like picturing yourself in the arms of the father, picturing yourself being hugged by Jesus or whatever that might look like, but you're allowing yourself just to to be aware and attentive to God's presence there with you. And as distractions come up, you return to your anchor prayer. Abba, I'm yours. You come back and you just keep doing that. And then sometimes, guys, it is an incredibly boring process. And then maybe for the, you know, 99% of it, you sense nothing, you're distracted, but then that last little bit, you sense God's love in a new and tangible way. But don't give up. And then you just repeat the next day. So guys, this is just, this is just, I'm sure there's better ways. This is just how I've been trying to practice this. And so I would encourage you uh, to, to, to use these as kind of a guideline and to see what God has for you there. So as we practice silent prayer, one writer puts it this way. This is the core of all of our transformation into Christ-likeness. Through resting under God's loving attention toward us by the Spirit, we are transformed. Just like Jesus did, God wants us to process all of our life inside a growing awareness of himself and the love of God. Amen? He wants to make you whole. So here's my challenge for you today. It's more an invitation than a challenge. Will you do this with me? Will you will you spend the rest of 2021 practicing silent prayer in some shape or form? Um, for some of us, this could be a, the goal of just doing this two to three days a week, spending 10 minutes in silence in the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. Some of us who have more time, maybe we could do it every single day. Um, but what I want us to do is, is take this seriously, guys, where we're realizing that, okay, if we want these things, we want to be a disciple, we want to be an apprentice, we're going to have to learn to eat healthy, to go back to that analogy. We can't just talk about wanting to get in better shape or in better health, or we feel stuck or we feel out of shape. We need to actually make an effort towards wholeness and health in Jesus. So as you do this, if you're, on, if you're in, I hope you are, um, I've come up with a few questions for us to journal and kind of process what we're discovering both about God and ourself along the way. So I'd encourage you if you guys journal or don't already grab a journal and kind of process the days that you're doing this a few questions. So the first one would be just kind of the date and time, uh, how much time you spent in silent prayer. What was your anchor prayer? Uh, what emotions kind of rose to the surface? Uh, what did you learn about God? Did you sense God speaking anything? And then the two, two kind of ending questions. What was difficult? And what did you sense became easier this time than the time before? And then just kind of pay attention to what God's speaking to you in those times of prayer there. The, the truth is this, guys, as we close. In Alistair, as it is in heaven, our vision, our mission as a church is only possible if we begin to make space in each of our lives for silence and solitude with God. Okay? We have this big hope and dream and mission and an idea that we sense is from God, is scriptural, is biblical, but we need to marry that with this, this idea of actually being with God, slowing down to be with God rather than wanting just a microwaved spirituality. So let me pray for us, and then um, I think we're going to close there. Yeah? You guys okay? Yeah. All right, let's stand up.